Hello, and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight, we will be talking about Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you first, Chad. Your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this book. In addition, over the course of our conversation, we may spoil literally anything else Star Wars, so you have been warned. Ryan, give it to me. We have finally made it to celebration, and everything they've been hiding and holding back all came out over three days. Obviously, just to get it out of the way, the biggest Star Wars news right now is the Obi-Wan Kenobi premiere, which I still just want to call it Kenobi, by the way. Like, I, I don't want to call it. You know, we're, we're going to save all that, talk about it on a future episode. Um, I do think it's worth noting Obi-Wan Kenobi is the biggest premiere in Disney Plus history. So it's doing really good. Like I said, we'll get back to it, but I would just like to put a note in. That is not how Darth Vader's helmet works. Calm so, down. Calm down. <laughs> look, that's not how it works. I've owned many helmets. It would not fit on his head like that. We'll get to that later. <laughs> It's not how it was in Revenge of the Sith. It won't fit on that way. It won't lock right. He won't be able to breathe. It actually won't even fit over his head that way because of the back of the helmet. Well, you know, that's what I'm going to be angry about for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, So, celebration. It's been two years and boy, they came hard. (laughs) Like, it is a crazy amount of stuff. So, let's start off. We'll save the big shows till the end. Toy-wise, We got a whole lot of stuff. All the Inquisitors. We got uh, New Grief. We got uh, finally a Darth Maul from Clone Wars. We got an Alias Secura. We got some new troops. We got the Ralph McQuarrie two-pack. Like, it's crazy. And then they are still, every Wednesday, doing new reveals for the Obi-Wan show. It's a lot. They've already put out two Obi-Wans, Ariva, and Vader got announced today. So they're doing tons of those. I spent a lot of money today on pre-orders on invisible toys that I'll own some point in the future. Who the hell knows when? Who knows? You know, they say, I think the Inquisitors don't come out till spring 2023. So they, uh, they're definitely pushing it for. They also announced the next HasLab project is the Riva Saber. I, I'm curious to see if this one makes its goal. It's... I mean, it's smart how they did it because it has her, it has a couple of different configurations to where you can have her saber that's got the half circle. It comes apart in the middle, but it also comes with another part to the circle so you can make like a full Inquisitor spinny saber. It is also $500. I was going to say, why is it a Haslab? Why isn't it just a Force FX Elite? Because it's so much money. Um, yeah. is what they've said. They don't want to produce this thing. Those sabers, I don't know how good they're doing, honestly. Like, yeah. you see them in GameStop a lot, and they go on clearance, and so I think they're kind of hedging. I think with well, Reba, where I got my size Ventress was GameStop yeah. clearance. Yeah, yeah. I think they're kind of hedging to see if people will actually buy it. $500, no thanks. Yeah, no way. No. They also made a Lola robot, if you would like to own a little Lola, and I guess... 
record a diary or I don't know really what Lola does besides fly around and look like she's from batteries not included. But <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, I like sure. Lola. Lola's fine. It's fine. However, the most important Saber news is Disney announced what will be the new exclusives for the Disney park. You know, blah, blah, Qui-Gon, who cares? Blue Coon is going to have his own Saber at Disney. I am now trying to figure out who is going to Disney soon so I can get a hold of this thing. Um, (laughs) I will own that Saber. Like, I'm getting Blue Coon Saber. On the video game news, we saw the trailer for, I don't know, I guess they're not going to call it Jedi outcast Two jedi survivor <laughs> so it's just yeah, called just jedi survivor, survivor. Yeah. um the trailer looks great i don't really know who that is in that mysterious back to tank thing but i've heard i've heard guesses that it's star killer well and it's a blonde with like long hair and well and interesting over back in toys they did announce that star killer is being released in the vintage collection that was one of the ones mm-hmm. that's coming soon yeah um, gaming greats type yeah. thing Oh, they are doing gaming greats too. You can get a uh, Darth Malice and uh, what's your name? Ballista. Ballista. His lady friend. Let's see. What else we got? On the book side, uh, we got to see the covers of all of Wave 1 for the High Republic. And then we got the names for the next Wave 2 books. Wave 2, Phase 2. So we'll get Coticism by Lydia Kang. Path of Vengeance by Kevin Scott. The Quest for Planet X by <laughs> Tessa Grattan, which, man, that is some EU titling right there. Yeah. I cannot wait for The Quest for Planet X. Yeah. It looks like that's the middle school book, um, just judging from like the size of them. It's called The Quest for Planet X. That's great. It should have come out in 1972. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they're going to do an audio drama by George Mann that's going to be The Battle of Jetta, which is also High Republic. Yeah. Um, and then comics, they show the covers for the first issue of High Republic coming back, a miniseries called The Blade, and then the cover for the first Star Wars Adventures under Dark Horse. Okay. So still, now, written, still written by older, right? Yeah, still older. Um, art looks very similar. Cover looks similar. So it doesn't look like there's going to be much changes to the comics. So then all the Disney Plus stuff came out. I mean, we were expecting some news, but I don't think anybody expected this This. much. (laughs) Yeah. So the first thing we got was the Andor trailer, which, good Lord, it looks like the best thing that's ever existed. (laughs) (laughs) It is going to be amazing. Um, They kind of broke down the seasons during the panel. So right now there's two seasons playing, and the first season will cover a year, and then season two will cover four years. God, it looks so good. And they said it's going to dovetail right into Rogue One. Yep. I imagine, I mean, they didn't say anything about K2SO. They're probably saving that for another celebration. But we know that stuff's coming. Let's see. We got the official name of the John Watts Kids in Space show. Um, It's called Skeleton Crew. Jude Law will star in it. And they confirm that it's about kids kind of lost on a spaceship out in the galaxy somewhere. So that one sounds fun. They didn't get much more info past that. Uh, What else? We got the announcement for Vision Season 2, which is coming sooner than people thought. And they did say that it will follow up on at least one or two from the first season. But then it'll also be kind of a mix of some other stuff, too. Um, And I think I saw an interview, too, where they will envision 2 
have some maybe High Republic-esque types of things. Like they're going to kind of go and show some of that possibly. We got a trailer for Bad Batch Season 2, which will come out in the fall. Of course, our gang has new outfits for me to buy all new toys of. (laughs) Um, They're going to give me again. (laughs) Curse them. Uh, I'm saving the good ones for last. We got the announcement of Tales of the Jedi, which is going to be an animated show, um, mostly around prequel Jedis. They got Liam Neeson's going to come back and voice Qui-Gon. They showed some of the animation stills of Dooku and Qui-Gon, and they look real good. I really like the animation. They showed the first episode. Did they show it? They showed the very first episode, which is about which was about baby Ahsoka being just. Dis- it's about Ahsoka's Ahsoka's parents figuring out she's force sensitive. That's right. And you see her mama. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And some actress, some famous actress played her mom too. Oh, I have to look at that. Let's see the other just smaller updates. They gave a small update on the Lando show. It is still moving forward. Kennedy basically said they're kind of waiting on Glover. That his schedule is all crazy, and but he's come out and said I'm definitely still in. She said it's still happening. They just don't know when. 50-50 at best. God, he's going to be as old as Billy Dee by the time it comes out. (laughs) Uh, Then they announced another animated show, The Young Jedi Adventures, which will be a High Republic kids show. They have been very clear. It is a kids show. Like This thing is made for like five and six-year-olds, which I think is great. (laughs) Like It'll be good. I'm still going to watch it. (laughs) Well, yeah. Especially if it's High Republic, absolutely yep. going to watch that. Well, and now yeah. we know we don't have to watch the Starlight Beacon get broken up because they're not going to do that on a kid's show. Yeah, but get some animated vectors and stuff. I'd mm-hmm. be down for that. And now for the money footage. <laughs> yeah. Let's start with Mando Season 3. So while it has not been officially released, if you use the powers of the internet, you can totally watch the leaked footage of Mando Season 3. It is a whole lot of Bo-Katan. Whole lot of Bo-Katan looking not so happy. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she's decided. I don't think the dark saber really matters because she sure is on the throne of Mandalore. But we also get to see Mandalore. Yeah, and it's not in good shape. Yeah, it doesn't look good. And then probably the most exciting thing I think we got to see Ahsoka. At least there was a trailer for it. They started shooting three weeks ago, and they still showed complete what looked like completed footage from Ahsoka. Yeah, it's insane. They've it only really been shooting for three weeks. We got our confirmation. We know that Chopper, Hera, and Sabine are all on it. Chopper, they just brought on stage. You saw the back of Hera in the footage, walking with Ahsoka on the ship. And then Sabine, the actress, was there. You saw the back of her head in the footage. You didn't get to see her in the Well, costume. they recreated the end of Rebels. Yeah. It was the it was the um the mural that mm-hmm. Sabine paints paints at the end of Rebels. It, they recreated that and it but instead of her instead of the animated version standing in front of it, it was a live action version standing in front of it. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that overlaps. I wouldn't be surprised if they if she turns around and Ahsoka the White is there. Yeah. Like that they recreate that scene. And that mural looks great in real life. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, looked I mean, really it cool. looks dead on. Yeah, it um, really cool. Not that I saw the footage. Yeah, that would be illegal. You cannot film things at Celebration on a cell phone, shakily. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Available on the Reddit Star Wars page. Um, and then I do think it was funny, old uh, Menem Massad, who everybody knows is playing Ezra. Like, just go ahead and do it. After the panel 
tweets out a picture of all of them and wrote something like, this looks great. All right, friend. <laughs> so yeah, that was all a celebration. I mean, there were great, there's great things you can go watch. Um, I watched the Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen interviews they did. Um, all the interviews were great. Anthony Carboni was kind of hosting um, mm-hmm. from the Star Wars show. I thought he did a good job. Um, the Ian McDermott one. That's a really good interview. Yeah, it was a good panel. I did watch that one, and you can watch them all on the Star Wars YouTube page. They, they're, mm-hmm. I mean, while they're while they're not putting up the Mandalorian footage or the Ahsoka footage, and probably aren't going to, they are putting up all the panels and stuff, and not being shy about that, which yeah. is really, which is really cool. Yeah, and it was, I think the Ewan McGregor Hayden Christensen one is worth watching, especially for Hayden, because you could tell how much he just loves it and is happy to be there, and yeah. Yeah, no, he, he he seems very genuinely moved by the reception. Mm-hmm. There's a there's some really fun behind the scenes photos of like him and Ashley Eckstein mm-hmm. together, and um, and him and um, Ian McDermott together and stuff. So the thing that they're because they also did a Attack of the Clones 25th anniversary panel mm-hmm. as well, and had almost everybody there except for Natalie. I think. Yeah, and that's the one he kind of talks about his version of Anakin and um, the kind of big thing I guess people took away from him. The quote he says, "Yeah, the impression I got from George Lucas is that if they don't like him, then they don't get it, and that was good enough for me." (laughs) (laughs) And they asked him too about the awkward dialogue, which you know is the problem with the prequels, and he put it down to. The franchise is set in a unique world. (laughs) (laughs) A unique world where people don't know how to speak to each other. (laughs) There's a guy that's got a PR team. Yeah. (laughs) Very careful. That was all from Celebration. Are there any comics right now? (laughs) Yeah, there are. There there were two that have come out since we last spoke. Um, Bounty Hunters number 24 by Sax and Natasha Bustos. It's here. Clear and present Dengar. Best title ever? Probably. We learn a little bit about everyone's favorite bandaged bounty hunter, uh, including a little cameo by a fellow Karelian, and his lifelong struggle to be taken seriously. And no matter what, I'm never going to take Dengar seriously. Nope. Darth Vader 23 by Pac and I and Echo. Uh, it's hard to talk about this one without spoiling it too much, but we continue to follow this weird relationship between Vader and Sabe, and there are tons of references to the A.K. Johnson trilogy in this one. Oh, and someone may make an appearance who is not played by Kamel Nanjiani. <laughs> oh my goodness that's that's so wizard <laughs> but uh that's all we got for comics So, this week on the show, we're going to be talking about Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover. Um, It is somewhat of a coincidence, or you could say it's the will of the force, (laughs) that while we are recording this, it is the 20th anniversary of the Clone Wars. Um, Not the Clone Wars, Attack of the Clones. So, Shatterpoint is named after Mace Windu's 
Well, they mentioned it, so it is not his expanded universe power. He still has it in current canon, um, where Mace can see an event or a person or an object or just whatever, and change the future depending on that. Like it's a a pivotal moment. Right. He has the he has the ability to identify breaking points. Yeah. You know, uh, or mo- moments or things that that will affect the outcome of everything that follows. And sometimes it's just how to break a ship. You don't know. Right. Or sometimes <laughs> it's how to break a ship. <laughs> it, it can come at any time. But uh, to start with tonight, we want to talk about just some of the more outlandish and weird uses of the Force that we have seen over the years, um, especially in the old EU, because, boy, they started making up some stuff after a while. <laughs> we were past the old push-pull, talk somebody into something and jump. Yeah, we we went past that. Um, so, Beth, what's your first force power? Well, I, I for my first one, I went with the thought bomb because it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a crazy thing. And uh, what was that from? It was from the first of the Darth Bane books, and it kills a whole lot of people with like an egg of energy. It's just one of those messed up things that, you know, the Sith got all kinds of wacky powers. I mean, obviously the Jedi got good wacky powers, but the Sith got some really dark wacky powers. So they weren't moving noodles with their minds. They were uh, they were creating thought bombs. <coughs> I hadn't thought about the thought bomb, but yeah, that is that is that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you like trapped their souls. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, yeah. Like- yeah, it's dark. I mean, obviously it's Sith, but you know it's still yeesh. So, I mean, the first thing that I came up with when you you, you mentioned the, the idea for this, the first thing that hit me was time drifting slash flow walking. Oh, flow walking! Oh, Jason Solo. Uh, back in the expanded universe in the 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 Legacy of the Force series, and I think the Fate of the Jedi uh-huh. series were the two ones that concentrated on Jason Solo. That involved his turn to the uh, dark side and his transformation into Darth Cadus. And uh, what flow walking is, is the ability to, they basically did something that Star Wars had never done before, which was they added time travel. Is that J- Luke and then also Jason were able to basically kind of ride the force into the past and see previous events. And Jason even at one point was able to affect the future by uh, reaching out in that moment. And uh, so, yeah, it was Star Wars time travel. But now that I talk about it, it doesn't sound that different from the world between worlds. <laughs> it's, it doesn't really sound that different. Uh, what were they called? The A-I-N-T? The monks. Yeah. That's when things got real weird. That's <laughs> when they yeah. like went to the monks and learned stuff. Yeah, flow walking. Also known as time drifting. My first one is not so much weird, but just... I don't know when they started using other force things. So we, we spent, you know, a while about that light side gifts were one thing and that dark side gifts were unnatural and things like lightning. Uh, until Luke learned electric judgment. I was going to mention electric judgment. (laughs) Where Luke, somehow if you shoot force lightning and it's green, totally cool. Totally fine. As long as it's green. Yep. It came from a video game. Mm-hmm. But then they adapted it into books, and so the fact it's called thing. Electric Judgment like, sounds like a. I think it sounds like a Public Enemy album. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like a, a white people line dancing kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good guy force lightning. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I'll mark that one off my list. <laughs> um, okay, so I went back to the Jedi for Sith alchemy. Oh, yeah. Um, or just know, alchemy in general. Yeah. Just alchemy in general. I mean, the Sith used it to create lots and lots of zombies and monsters. And isn't that how they made the flying rancor? I think, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is, yeah. That's, that's yeah. messed up things that should not be. Well, then there was also, though, there was also alchemy on the good guys part. Remember the blob of flesh that, uh, oh, yeah, the girl that, uh, uh, what was her name? No, I don't remember her name. Uh, kept in her closet, basically. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I blocked that part out. But yeah. Ew. Okay. Lannery? Alchemy in general, bad. Lannery? Lan- yeah. Lannery. Yes. Lannery. Yeah. The unlikable one. Lannable, the unlike. <laughs> Lannery, the unlikable. Yeah. Now, I never needed an explanation as to how Luke survived the Wampa Cave. And while I like The Last Jedi, I am in agreement that the flying Leia sickle looked pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. But there is a Jedi ability that allows users to survive in harsh environments, which doesn't sound too weird until you discover that th- this technique is called tapas. Now, I'm as big of a fan as any of tiny little plates of Spanish appetizers. But come on, we, did, we really need to, we, did we really need to give this ability a name and did it really have to be called tapas? <laughs> Tapas probably wasn't a big thing when they came up with the name. They're just like, yeah, let's just tapas. That sounds exotic. So uh, that one's not a weird power. It's kind of a weird power just because yeah, like a little bit. It just because like I never needed an explanation as to how, you know, Leia puts a force bubble around her. It's fine. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, apparently it's called tapas, which makes me hungry. <laughs> I, I love the little churros with the hot chocolate. Oh, that's good stuff. Oh, I know another one from Fate, oh, Fate of the Jedi, which gave us tons of awesome ones. Well, that's when they were running on fumes trying to come up with stuff. <laughs> yeah. That was that was near the end of the expanded universe. So apparently someone saw the sixth sense and decided we need a f- new force power called Going Beyond, in which you could separate your soul and also talk to all dead people and see spirits. <laughs> like... They were like, you know what? Forget Force Ghosts. We're just going to give you the power to see whoever you feel like. I just thought that was just ridiculous. Uh, I I think I'm going to go with the most useful one I could find, and that is the ability to purge alcohol. (laughs) So you're a Jedi. You're out having fun. But you're on the job, and you got work to do. Kenobi likes a beer every once in a while. We've learned that. Oh, Uh snap. Now there's work to do. Let's get this alcohol out of my system. Oh, that'd be so good. God, that'd be the greatest ability ever. (laughs) Be so useful. I found this on multiple websites, and I tracked it down. I think it's from the Wizards of the Coast role-playing game when they had the license there for a while. or some other supplementary material. But it, it it was perfected by the Jedi Master Opo Rancis. And it's an ability called Malaysia that makes its target super dizzy to the point of vomiting. (laughs) It's meant to be a more humane attack, kind of like a stun blast or something, you know, but like a really gross stun blast. But yeah, it's the ability to basically give give vertigo to somebody and make them throw up. That's just mean. And then um, and the, the other one I wanted to point out was the force storm, which is uh, that was on my in, short list in Dark Empire. Palpatine creates something called a force storm in order to basically create it was a it was a level of force using that we had never seen before. <laughs> the idea that he could use the force to open a wormhole in space that ships could travel through to try to, to travel through uh, through hyperspace. 
And um, it was, it was, it's, it's not weird as much as it's terrifying because it is so powerful and so huge. And uh, always, you know, it's always interesting when they would come up with some of these powers because we had only ever seen when we only had the movies. Like, like Ryan said, all they did was push stuff and pull stuff and trick people, and, and there wasn't a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot there, but so the idea of Palpatine ripping a hole in the space-time continuum was pretty huge. Um, all right, my last one. One I like just because of the name of it, and two, one of the weird things they did with it. So when we got to the Vong later on, we learned of a magical force power called the Art of the Small. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes, we did. And so you could do several things with the Art of the Small. It didn't make a lot of sense. But the idea was that you were rearranging your molecules. Now, you could use this to camouflage yourself. I'm not 100% sure how that worked. It worked, you could like transmutate elements. But in one of the most amazing things that they did with the art of the small, a Jedi transmutated his tears into a healing lotion. Oh. Which Jedi did that? Do you remember? I can't remember. Who was it was. Zach or one of those guys? It was one of those weird ones. Healing tears. <laughs> That's very goth of them. Oh, um, all right. I'm going to attempt to pronounce it. It's uh, Duomuts. Domutsikwa? Tsikza? Something great. like that. <laughs> Sounds great. It, it is a Sith. Uh, ritual so it's a some kind of incantation that has to be cast and it conjures uh, a creature that has no true form and assumes the shape of its victim's worst fear it's called a smoke demon so I'm just picturing like the smoke monster from lost but then it turns in to like a bogart from bogart from uh, <laughs> Harry Potter I was about to say like a bogart yeah yeah. So it's a, the smoke monster from Lost, but then it turns into uh, Snape jumping out of a wardrobe. <laughs> it's just the most messed up one I could find and the most ridiculous name. I did think it was kind of funny, like, looking these up. Some of them, even though they were like, weird, I was like, eh, they would totally do that in the High Republic. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. A bunch of these are totally coming back. Yeah, I had, like, battle meditation written down, but they've done yeah. that in the, new, in the High Republic now. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to the dumbest force power there is, of course, which is force ghosts. <laughs> I thought you loved those guys. They're the worst. I almost included Yoda can catch lightning. <laughs> I remember watching Revenge of the Sith and be like, wait, what? And like, I can buy catching lightning with a laser sword. Yes. I cannot buy catching, catching it and hand. turning it into a ball and shooting it back. Street Fighter style. Could you catch electric judgment in your hand, though? It's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> electric judgment. <laughs> but it's green. It's green. It's that makes okay. it good. Green is good. My name is General Mace Windu of the Jedi Order. At this point of the Clone War, I have dismantled and destroyed over 100,000 of you Type 1 battle droids. I'm giving you an opportunity to peacefully lay down your weapons so that you may be reprogrammed to serve a better purpose than spreading the mindless violence and chaos which you have inflicted upon the galaxy. Blaster! As Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover starts, Mace is haunted by not stopping the Clone Wars by acting on a Shatterpoint and just chopping off Dooku's head and stopping the war before it started. He's also consumed by his former missing Padawan, Deepa Bilibo. 
who has gone missing on his home planet Horonkal, whose natives are all Force-sensitive, and turns out descendants of Jedi. The Council receives some found footage of Depa with a bunch of dead bodies and a message that... Wait. <laughs> oh, here we go. Sorry, come back. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? <laughs> the Council receives some found footage of Depa with a bunch of dead bodies and a message that, yeah, she's gone sane, and May should totally not come save it. But... Mace is a win-do, and not a win-don't. So off he goes, <laughs> back to his home. After an erotic, naked fight, he gets exposed for lamely trying to hide his lightsaber and makes a deal with the security chief, Lord Skepto, to deal with his Jedi problem. After an ambush, we meet the Force-sensitive Corrins, and Mace meets his new friend, it's Nick! <laughs> <laughs> As they save him from some separatist agents. The group takes him on the jungle on a gasser that they use to clear the way to find Defa. Mace learns that they could care less about the Clone Wars as they are fighting the summertime war against the settlers over the land and its sweet, sweet bark drugs. As the trip goes farther, Mace feels a fuller fuller pull to the dark side. After a battle with the settlers and some dead kids, they meet with Kaur Vastar, the Lord Palak, Lord of the Jungle, and his act guards and their death dogs. After some more friendly child murder, Nace tries to lead the settlers to safety and tricks the Karun into a clearing so they can escape. He then fights Corvasto, who totally kicks his ass and lets him know he's his cousin. Kor doesn't kill him because Defa wants him alive. Normally, both your asses would be dead as fucking fried chicken. But you happen to pull this shit while I'm in a transitional period, and I don't want to kill you. I want to help you. He finally meets with her, and she's gone full jungle crazy. She explains she's seen the truth, and the Jedi won't survive the war because it'll cause them to break their vows. She also reveals that she's been doing a whole lot of murder, so he arrests her. They travel to a base to call Mace's clone commandos, but... When he defends the base with his newly charged lightsaber, it also turns out somehow they've learned how to track a lightsaber from space, and the vulture droids attack. The clones come down, there's a big battle with vulture droids, and Nick, Depa, Mace, and Kor all defend the dying, starving Korin with an armored turtle, some dogs, and a whole lot of jumping on ships. They then take the ship back to the city and order to hunt down the droid control and take back the system for the Republic. Mace and Nick go to find the security chief, but when they leave Kor and Depa, they make with the murder, killing civilians, clones, and causing the droids to attack the city. They find the security chief, go back to where the control box is, Mace fights Kor again, who injures Nick, and Mace slices him in half with his own shields. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell! He then goes to Depa, who realizes how wrong she was. Just kidding, she totally stabs him in the chest. Then just realizes how wrong she was. She snaps out of it as the security chief takes control of the droids, saving Horn Call, and bringing the system back under Republic control. The Jedi arrest Cole and Depa and lock them up, where she is put in a cell where she waits to face trial for her actions once she's sane again. Mace and Yoda discuss the nature of the Jedi in the war and whether or not they can still be generals and Jedi at the same time. We're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. But don't worry, it'll totally be fine, she tells them as he probably twirls his mustache. This party's over. 
You son of a bitch. I was going to make a win do win don't joke. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you just thought, writes, it writes itself. You thought yeah. Shrek would leave a pun laying on the floor? I know, I know, but I was hoping. <laughs> I need to start. Damn, this book is dark. It really is. <laughs> like, well, it's, it's so similar to Heart of Darkness. It's got to be dark. It reminded me of Phasma at times mm-hmm. and how brutal it was. It's not Dark Disciple. It's a different type of dark than Dark Disciple was. It's a darker dark. It's just incredibly violent, oppressively so at times. Now, we should point out that, yes, this book is definitely Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah. But it's also important to remember that Star Wars wouldn't exist if it... The only reason Star Wars exists is because no one wanted to make Apocalypse Now. Because Apocalypse Now was George Lucas's idea that he shopped around in the early 70s and he could never get it made. And so he said, screw it, I'll do Viet... Because no one wanted to make a Vietnam movie in the early 70s, right? The war was still fresh, it was still going on. So instead, he said, I'll make Vietnam in space. And Star Wars originally started off with all the fantastical elements to it. It also originally started off as an allegory for Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Writing a Star Wars novel in the form of Apocalypse Now slash Hearts of Darkness. Not Hearts of Darkness, Heart of Darkness. Hearts of Darkness is the documentary about making Apocalypse Now. Um, modeling it after that is perfectly in line with Star Wars. I think. I think it's a. I think it's a cool tribute. But just like Apocalypse Now, it's bleak. Yeah, <laughs> it's real bleak. I, there were a couple times there where I, I just in my head kept going, "I love the smell of act dogs in the morning." <laughs> just it's so on the nose. I like the fact that Deepa doesn't turn out to be the bad guy. That she's kind of being held captive. By the other guy she's afraid of she's afraid of the other guy yeah whatever his name was i don't remember core core but i mean she goes dark though wow. yeah she does I mean, she does she's held captive but she's she kills a lot of people that she doesn't necessarily have to kill did they ever redeem her after this Mm-mm. no no because you know in new canaan you know clearly she's caleb's master and they get rid of that but no she was this ends with her kind of in that is it stasis? She's like in stasis. She's she's in a Bacta tank and yeah. physically healed, but like just crazy. They can't fix crazy. That's where they leave her. So I guess this you know leads. Some, we can have the discussion later, but this can't be canon then. Unless <laughs> she woke up and they were like, "Uh, here's a here's a Padawan. Maybe this will help." I mean, they tried it with Anakin. It worked out okay till it didn't. I, the first thing I thought. Going back to the beginning, kind of where they talk about, you know, this being Mace's home planet. So the Jedi are in a war. We know there's a whole planet of people, and there's not many on it, but are like force warriors. Like they all have the force and no point of be like, we should go talk to these guys. And then like Mace is the only one who's left. I just thought that was odd. Yeah, but they're not very friendly. They're not. They're not a very friendly. No, no one in this book is friendly. Mm-mm. I do like adding Nick to our list of normal guy names. It's Nick. It's not even spelled differently. At least Kevin no. was with an A N. This is just Nick. It's just Nick. Could have could have at least like left off the C something. Something. And it throws me off every time because you'd be like in a dark part where like Cor's about to like kill the kid and he's like, this kid will grow up to be a settler, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, Nick looked over and I'm like, oh, <laughs> Nick. And Nick wasn't even a good guy. It was just the mood was accidentally lightened by the fact that his name was freaking Nick. Mm-hmm. He kind of becomes a good guy. 
Yeah. He's an okay guy. He's going to be a lieutenant in the clones. He has murdered a lot of people as well. (laughs) Nobody in this book is good. (laughs) There is not a good guy in this book. I mean, Mace is. He goes really dark, too. And Yoda's at the end just like, well, you lived through it. You'll be okay, buddy. <laughs> that That's always Yoda's attitude towards everything, though. Yeah. I like they do spend time even in the beginning, though, talking about Mace being this warrior who, I mean, is talking about some pretty dark side stuff about. This is the coolest depiction of Mace Windu we've ever had. You're a smart motherfucker. That's right. Yes. The most understandable. Yes. Yeah. He is a ma- He is a killer. He is a violent man. He, and the thing is, but what, what I think is interesting is he knows that about himself. He knows that he can fall into that trap. He knows he's cocky as shit, right? When, whenever he's in a situation, he's like, yeah, there's 12 of them too bad for them. You know, like he's uh-huh. always, he's always a step ahead. He always thinks he can get out of every situation he's in. He always thinks he can kick the shit out of whoever he's fighting. He's a very confident fighter. He's a very powerful fighter. I mean, he totally beats up those dudes in the nude. He does beat up those dudes in the <laughs> I, nude. I am okay. I I was thrown by the not the nudity itself, but by the descriptions, the <laughs> descriptions of the nudity. It's like Eastern <laughs> Promises shit up in here. Very erotic. Yeah, um, but I I like this this depiction of him knowing his flaws, um, still being still being a Jedi and still believing in, in all that stuff, but but understanding that deep down he is a violent person. The truth is you're the weak and I am the tyranny of evil men. But I'm trying, Ringo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. I think it was really effective in the way he wrote the book so you have you know the the third person normal and then you get these journal of mace windu where you get in his head i thought in my head though be like oh it's mace diary time yeah (laughs) mace is gonna write his diary i thought mace there's a section in one of mace's diaries early on where he's talking about what he thinks about the jedi and the force and like his view that the jedi aren't good like they're not good to be good. They're not fighting for good. They just end up good because they follow the light and like makes it seem like if the light said something else, the Jedi would, he would <laughs> like flip on a dime and kill some people, I guess. Well, he still kills plenty of people. He does. <laughs> I like the idea though, that it, I, I do like how this book starts with his guilt over. I could have just ended this by cutting Dooku's head off the whole time. I was. Thinking I mean, he's I wrong. He's wrong. Right. But and his reasoning I thought was so funny is, and it comes out later, you know, because he made the choice to save lives instead of following the shatter point. Yes. And in the end, they decide, you know, that's how the Jedi are going to survive because they'll always fight for the right side, no matter, you know, wherever the cost or whatever. When they go low, we go high. But in that's that worked, moment. That, that works, doesn't it? Hasn't it, it worked, Ryan? <laughs> there are like 50 Jedi in the arena at that point. Like, take the 10 seconds cut off Dooku's head. Like <laughs> a bunch of Jedi died anyway. Like you would have been fine. I don't think Mace was turning the tide down on the floor. But he even hesitate. He even says though he hesitated because he knows him. Brave, but uh, foolish, my old Jedi friend. You're impossibly outnumbered. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's not, 
an anonymous helmeted, you know, bounty hunter and he's not some evil Sith monster. He's a guy who probably he considered a friend up to a certain point. Yeah. So, so he, he admits to his own personal biases kind of getting in the way there. I pulled the note I made from the book. Um, the Jedi is altruistic less because to be so is good than because to be mm-hmm. so is safe. Yeah, and that's, that's a section. extremely different than we've heard the Jedi talk about being good before. You don't go chop the head off some guy because because I'm good. I'm not going to go chop his head off. It's I'm because I need to be safe. I'm not going to go chop his head off. Well, or because the force isn't telling me to. I mean, Mace's whole thing is because of the shatter points, right? It's just following the flow of the force almost agnostically is what you're talking about. Right? That's another thing that's a little bit different, too, is that he or at least different than from what I remember of reading other books is that he loses himself in the flow of the force and he stops thinking and he stops being aware of what's happening around him. And he is just, he's inside of the force. Oh, and that's how he does the vapid. The vapid. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's how he, that's his fighting style. His fighting style is to basically lose his self. Which they say is like dark side. Like they say, like you have to give yourself over to the dark a little bit. I'm like, hold up guys. Such a such a dark side style. Like, why why is anyone allowed to practice this? Why is why is he teaching it to Depo? Why why is Yoda like it's cool, bro? You do you. I don't think Yoda thinks it's cool. Mm-hmm. Mace created it, right? It's not like it's been passed down. It's something that Mace created. It's a fighting style that he's built, and he's built it because this is who he is. Because he is a warrior before he's a Jedi. This did make me like care less about what Mace thinks about Anakin. Like, hold on, bud. And when we get to Brotherhood, you're going to learn a lot about what Mace thinks of Anakin. Yes, you are. (laughs) And what Anakin thinks of him. While I understand why he was such a jerk to Ahsoka in the last season of Clone Wars, (laughs) at least now I understand why he was such a jerk. I'm sorry, citizen. These matters are for the council to discuss. I think it's a really interesting portrait of a character who who is partially responsible for the fall of the Republic. And we've said that before. And like, he's one, he's kind of one of the villains of the story at the end of the day. And so this, I thought presented a really good, and this book came out before revenge of the Sith. Because uh-huh. it's got a little introduction in the front of it by George Lucas talking about the clone wars and the novels they're making for clone wars and, and his idea about the clone wars for a character who ends up becoming his own shatter. His death is a shatter point. <laughs> For the galaxy in a way right anakin's decision in that moment kind of decides the future of the galaxy it, it is an interesting no no it's an interesting portrayal of a character that i've always thought of as kind of a villain and and this reinforces that fact you know that he he would be the first one to jump into being a general uh-huh. you know he he's the one and i'm trying not to mix it up with brotherhood because <laughs> yeah. i just finished reading that but there's a lot of talk in that too about whether Jedi should be generals. Mm-hmm. And and he doesn't seem to have that problem. He's ready to fight. He's ready mm-hmm. to go to war. And he he understands that's problematic. He yeah. understands that's in the way of him being a Jedi, but it's also who he is. And he has he's oh, he's always fighting the urge to kick ass. And I can't wait to put Sam Jackson quotes in this episode. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> there's so many, especially at the beginning of the book, especially when he's naked. There's so many things that I hear in his pulp fiction voice. Like um, (laughs) there's one that I highlighted where he's, he's fighting with the guys and he tells them that they forgot to get the one piece of equipment that could help him 
help them? And he's like, yeah, what's that? An ambulance. (laughs) (laughs) This is where I wanted him to do the, um, it's the lightsaber that says bad Jedi mother effer. Now, this is written by Matthew Stover. Matthew Stover, and it points us out on the cover, wrote Star Wars New Jedi Order Traitor, which is considered maybe the darkest of any Star Wars novel ever written. Um, That's the one where Jason Solo is being tortured for the entire book and and how he gets turned to the dark side. It's from the um, Dave always talks about it as like the darkest Star Wars thing he's ever read. And Stover also wrote the Revenge of the Sith uh, novelization as well. So I think his his specialty was kind of this dark shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you wanted to get down and dirty, you get Matthew Stover. One thing I really like Stover and this book did was kind of how you find out about this conflict as the book goes on and you kind of learn more and more about what's really going on. And it kind of <clears throat> starts from that traditional separatist versus the Republic for control of the planet. Then you find out, nah, we don't really care about that. This is more about like the settlers every summer kind of encroach on our territory and we fight them off and a bunch of people got murdered. And then by the end you find out eh, the settlers really don't murder people and all the natives are starving and dying. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> that it's not this big war at all. It's just something they've gotten trapped into that this has like become their culture and it's killing both of them. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's only a small percentage of them that are actually out there fighting. Yeah. They're actually out there waging war when who, who probably have a bigger estimation of themselves than others do, you know, uh-huh. who, who think what they're doing is this epic struggle for survival. And it's not necessarily the case. Yeah. When Mace gets that security chief and he's like, yeah, no, we, we don't kill kids or anything. <laughs> like, we, yeah. we just want to go get our drug bark and get out of here. The jungle was real scary, though. Yeah. Yeah. He did his best to make that jungle seem like the worst place on well, not on earth, but the mm-hmm. worst place you could possibly want to visit. I mean, it had, what was the bug thing that like got in people's skins oh, and made the, their faces the explode? Fire, yeah. f- fever, something, fever, larva, something like that. Mm-hmm. Terrifying bugs that drill into your body and hatch out of your head. <laughs> yeah. You know, for kids. Cut <laughs> them out of some people and not yeah. cut them out and the person lives cut a person up into little tiny bits to get rid of the infestation so that they didn't hatch and infect other people. No, Mace has to do like a zombie movie mercy killing mm-hmm. in hey, this book. He takes that guy to the cliff and it's like, sorry, dude. I mean, it's it's a very violent book. And even with the bug things, like Mace's like, we got to take this one back and we can save him. And everybody else like, nah. No. Like, just leave him. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, your, your boy Nick is just like, mm, nah, he's dead already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's walking around and talking. Now nah, he's dead. Yeah, I can't imagine like sleeping out there because they always talk about, you know, you've got your little group and then there's like the guys with the ackers that are out on the edges with their scary dogs running around. Oh, the act dogs? Yeah. yeah. So guys who live in the jungle know who Django Fett is. Yeah, that was a little. You know. They're all arguing about Mace Windu must be a um, bounty hunter. And he must be the best one. And some other kids like, no, Django Fett. Everybody knows Django Fett's the best bounty hunter. How do you know? Kids and are dumb. why? Why are <laughs> why would bounty hunters even be famous? I feel like that was probably all over the hollow net. <laughs> like people yeah, would like. Do they slow have the down. hollow net in the jungle? And they sneak in town sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, clearly they sneak in town because they can set up sweet ambushes in alleyways. Yeah, I, I noticed that too about Django Fett, but I was like, eh. Plus, when has he ever been the best bounty hunter in the galaxy? 
It's, it's good enough to be the clones. <laughs> he was one step above Zam Wessel. Come on. He, yeah, he had to hire Zam Wessel. Yeah. Mm. You're subcontracting why? to Zam Wessel. <laughs> have, have we ever discussed why couldn't he just kill Padme on his own? He was very busy on Kamino. He was there. He, he was, was like watching her do it. Oh, that's right. Also, how does he know what a crate dragon and a bantha are? Who, Mace? Yeah. Like, okay, so everybody's been to freaking Tatooine? Everybody. Uh, he's well read. Mm-hmm. He had to go kill some things there. You know, you don't have to like be from there to necessarily know about banthas. And so they have banthas on other planets. I think they've been exported. Yeah. Do they export the crate dragons too? No, no, they don't <laughs> export the crate dragons, but you know. He's he he's one of the rare Jedi they talk about in this who actually has been home before. Yeah. Where he was picked up as a kid and then came back with said sometime in his teens or in his early 20s or something. His teens, I think. And came back and visited. Doesn't and seem then, like that was a great idea. I'm surprised more Jedi don't do that. I guess I thought, we just don't know whether they I thought do the or whole not. point was you're supposed to cut ties like you shouldn't go back to where you're from. We see what happens when Anakin goes and checks back in. (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's times where this book feels like hopeless. Uh You know, Beth, we were talking beforehand, whether or not this book was actually entertaining or not. Yeah. It was a tough read for me. And I think that's a question. Uh (laughs) Like it it was oppressive. Is it too much? It's kind of the same vibe. Like I said, that I got from Phasma where like, I don't know if I want to be reading a Star Wars book where part of the story is them bleeding the essences of their dead friends so that they can drink them later. You know, like that, that book got super, super grotesque. See, this is much worse to me. I think this is the most effective book. And I'm including, I think the Clone Wars in this now of showing the Jedi may win the war, but they're done for. Yeah, because she's right. Like, there's no going back after this. Oh, Deep is absolutely right. She's yeah. crazy, but she's not wrong. This is a bad idea, and so for that, I think it's 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 good. And I think that um, although having it putting it in the mouth of someone who murdered a bunch of people and gone kind of crazy kind of dilutes the argument a little well, bit. I don't know though because you had that scene at the end where Mason Wendy, or yeah, Mason Yoder are talking about it, and that kind of seed has been planted their conversations more rational. And they're still like, yeah, this, we might be in trouble here. And they kind of later say, well, we'll make the choice to save the most people and blah, blah, blah. It also has them. It also mentions, I do believe, and this is something that has been hinted at in other things. And I think it's ex- explicitly stated in other things. I don't remember canon or not. The idea that the current Jedi are having a harder time mm-hmm. connecting with the force that they're starting to feel it slip through their mm-hmm. fingers. And that has been, that's been brought up before, but it's, it's one of those things that like, it's an unspoken, like everyone feels it, but no one's saying it out loud mm-hmm. almost. And in this, it has Mace talking about it in his journal. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that they can feel it slipping away. Well, and I like at the end, like they talk, Yoda and him talk about that a little bit at the end. And she was standing like right there. <laughs> And it's yeah. like, oh, guys, no, don't worry about it. Y'all, y'all are great. She was standing there going, this is, this is going fantastic. Yeah. You guys exactly are great. What yeah. I wanted. Yeah. Uh, Wait, such a, such a thing could never happen to you guys. 
Well, let's talk about Core a little bit. Yeah. Core and his shirtless self. <laughs> was he shirtless? Yes. He is such a video game boss. <laughs> With his shield. Lots of attention on what position his shield's on his armor in. Because <laughs> basically, like, and the shields came down. And I was like, oh, you're screwed down, but. I feel like this was either set up as in somebody would make this a boss in a video game later, or it was set up with somebody thinking about a video game boss when they wrote it. Because I pictured the whole fight in my mind and like, oh, now here's where a quick time event comes in. Yeah, you got to get on the backside of the person with the shield. You can't attack him from the front. I like too how he kept throwing in when he would talk to Mace. I can't remember offhand what he would call him, but essentially he was calling him his cousin and Mace would be like, no, stop. (laughs) No, you're my cousin. Like we're in this together. Were they really cousins? They're related. He's a Windu. Oh, that's right. He was a Windu. Yeah. Of course a Windu. Yeah. I just decided cousins because that's That's where, yeah, that's where I got the pun. He's a Windu, not a window. That's where my, (laughs) that's where I was going to use the pun. That's right. (laughs) And I thought it was another smart thing with Stover to make his weapons shields to kind of like contrast the evil mean people are using shields and Mace is coming in with a sword with a sword and like going back to like diva like being prisoner i mean she also though she taught them a whole bunch of stuff it's just i thought it was an interesting turn though when he finally gets to diva and he finally gets her to talk and she's like i'm not i'm not staying here for me i'm staying here to protect all these other people Mm -hmm. like he's insane or you know he's the real threat here and and uh, and she's actually kind of scared of him, yeah, or a little bit, or has gotten to become scared of him. She's Dennis Hopper, and he's he's Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. Can't we just compromise and say everyone's insane? I mean, they really are. I do love that she's. I do love she stabs him though. <laughs> yeah. Stabs the hell out of him. It was all just set a up. little stab. It was all set up to be like the teary reunion and Diva being like, I'm sorry. And then she's like, nah. It's like, oh, no. Nick's in the corner, almost cut in half. I really like that first ambush with Mace because it really broke down the way he thought. Um, One, it was show what a cocky son of a bitch that he is. But also just I I like that it kind of broke down like, all right, um, how he sees the situation how he without a lightsaber right because he didn't have his lightsaber did he they so he thought they were playing with it and it took the charge away that so right so he couldn't use yeah. it yeah right he couldn't he, use his lightsaber and him just doing the calculus it's a fairly lengthy chapter of him doing the calculus of how he's going to get out of this fight and he never has any doubt that he's going to you know that's his conviction and following the light and following the force he never has any doubt he's going to get out of this he doesn't know how, and it turns out an ex machina saves him. But either way, he knew he was going to get out of it because he's following the flow, basically. With that, I'm glad, though, that they, and I thought, same as old Nick said, that Mace was faking the lost decor, that he had, like, yeah. done it to, like, you know, pretend he was submissive or whatever. But nope. <laughs> Mace is like, nah, that guy. <laughs> no, he kicked the I, crap I out of me. I can't handle that. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, I thought that too. Reading it, I was yeah, like, "Oh, I did he's too. he's taking a dive." Got yeah. it. All right, it's all part of his master plan. He's oh. gonna whip it around real quick. No, nope. no, he meant to. He meant to kill that guy. Yeah, they had to bring kids into it too. Yeah, 
<laughs> he almost saves those kids, and then Corey's like, eh, that kid would grow up too bad. He's probably going to call people, so no. Well, and one of them was, though, right? One of them kept – Yeah, One he of them he saved, and then the other kid, like, was – came out with a gun or whatever. No, the the kid that Car cut in half w- or cut up or whatever he did to him, um, he had been slashing on the people with the, the fever wasps. Oh, that's right. And yeah, he'd been he- trying to cut him up, cut him up. So he killed so Carr kills him. He's like, meh, he's he's a murderer. He's he's murdering. Like, but, but okay. He's got the most dead kids this side of Revenge of the Sith, I guess. He's got a lot of dead kids. Revenge of the Sith has a lot of dead kids. Though. It does. Mm, yeah. But we don't hear about it as much. Mm. You can also tell, I think, this was before we had gotten a lot of clone characters that we knew because Mace is totally like, yeah, a bunch of them are going to die, but that's just what they do. (laughs) Nick is is like, whoa. (laughs) I feel like Mace would be that way no matter what though. I feel like he wouldn't really care. I do think though, we should remember that this book was the first Clone Wars book. And this was well before the series. Yeah. And the series kind of did a lot to reimagine what the Clone Wars was about um, or, or what it should feel like. It's it's a different vision of the Clone Wars than what we get what we have now, um, and uh, and it's funny to think that they were all kind of in the same canon at one point, but it's a very it's a very different look, and and it's a much more realistic, like like the MedStar duology was basically like a two a two books that were basically mash, in the Clone Wars without the funny stuff if you consider mash funny none of the funny stuff for mash but just like a hospital in the middle of a war which was also fairly bleak um so they did this series of what you would consider war novels as opposed to the show which you would consider like an adventure show and a war story kind of second or third the war is there and it's a big part of it but like it doesn't the show doesn't always read like a war film it reads like an adventure story these these are war books they should have totally put this book on cartoon network (laughs) <laughs> mommy i don't know what i'm watching was this before or after the tarkovsky or the tarkovsky thing this has got to be right around the same time yeah. yeah yeah this was 2003 when this came out so it was right in between the movies yeah tarkovsky is 2032 so it was around the same time when they were gearing up their clone wars initiative before before the idea of a series had kind of come to him i think um and like I said, kind of kind of rewrote what the Clone Wars is. And, and you know, while these books and, and this book may be a more realistic depiction of war, I'll take I'll take modern Clone Wars over over these books. I don't I don't want realistic war in my star. <laughs> I mean, I've, wars wars are in the stars for a reason for me. And it's because I mean, I don't play Call of Duty for the same reasons I, I want fictional war that I can enjoy. I don't want realistic war that is too close to yeah. life. Yeah. Especially now, especially right yeah. now. Well, yeah. I mean, anytime, honestly, there's been a yeah. lot of terrible wars and there you know, there's, there's enough bad things. And I like to, I'm not saying this is a bad book. It's not a bad it's book. Not. It's, not. it's, it's a good depiction of Mace. It gives him a lot of background. It gives him a lot of character we didn't have before, but this was not an enjoyable book for me to read. I'd not have fun reading it. If it had stayed like this, I'd be like, yep, Anakin's right. Let's wrap this bad boy up. 
like Anakin, take care of all this. No, I, I think that's understandable, Beth. I, I, I enjoyed it more than that, but, but I can see how it, it's, it's, you know, it's not fun mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, and it's not, it's not trying to be, to be fair. It's not trying to be fun, but you can be entertaining and, and compelling without being fun. And I found it compelling, but it's, but it is a tough read. It took me a little longer than I thought it was going to as well. And this is my second time and it still took me a little longer than I thought. I was pleasantly surprised that, I mean, we pretty much started to read this book because we were on the May sucks train for a few weeks (laughs) and I dislike Mace less now. (laughs) Like I am kind of on board with it. So you'll be okay if they bring him back? God, no, no, that's never going to make sense. No. I don't care how much backstory you give him. I don't care how much Sam wants to do a, wants a do-over. Yeah. You, you're dead. Just mm-hmm. live with it. <laughs> and just for the record, I don't care what they say. You cannot track a lightsaber from space. That's dumb. No. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of them having to recharge their lightsabers before. As you plug it into a USB port at night. used to be a thing. But they have to. Yeah. I mean, somehow. Isn't the crystal providing some kind of power? Come on. No, Crystal focuses the energy. Because I remember that was in, uh, what, High Jedi? Yeah. He, Luke talks about recharging it. Yeah, I, I like the idea they've got one, like, you know, they've got they've got the wireless charging, though. They just set it on a little pad, but they're <laughs> on their nightstand every night, you know? I like to think the Jedi Temple has, like, outlets that people are sitting on the floor by, and they argue <laughs> over, come on, man, mine's on 10%. What do you got? And they're all sitting in the hallway. Yeah. Be like it's like a Comic Con. <laughs> to be fair, that's never I've never I don't remember that ever being a plot point though. That Jedi's lightsaber running out of juice. But Yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting in this. I understand it probably doesn't run on infinite energy, but it was such a big point. The Green Lantern's gotta charge his ring. Mm-hmm. We are far from the DCU right now. I end up I ended up liking this book, but I also agree that it's maybe a touch too dark for me for my Star Wars. Yeah. Maybe, it's a, one, maybe a touch. I'm glad I wasn't reading this like at the beach. This was not a, a beach read. <laughs> no, this was a, this to me, this was a late night. <laughs> I'm feeling sorry for myself. I might as well make it worse <laughs> type of book. I, I'm headed to the beach and I'm glad that I have brotherhood for the drive down there. <laughs> and not this. Brotherhood's lighter hearted. Yeah. Speaking of which, what are we reading next time? <laughs> what a shocker. Next time we're reading Brotherhood by Mike Chen. Oh, okay. But I've already read that book. Shh. <laughs> it's not the future yet. In the future, you will have read that book. Probably twice. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us, and we will talk to you all very soon. Path of the Righteous Man is beset on all sides <laughs> by the inequity of the selfish and the tyranny of evil, of evil men. men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. Roger, roger.